Hi, welcome, bienvenue to Lost in Translation, where I explore with guests a word and drop on their experience, life story, culture, and point of view so no one gets lost in translation. I'm your host, Cynthia Bernard, and together let's bridge gaps, embrace different cultures, and honor every single voice. Welcome to Lost in Translation, where we unlock the true meaning behind the words, ensuring no one ever gets lost along the way. Hi, everyone. So for this episode, we'll explore the word premiere. And for me today, it's kind of a full circle moment. I will talk to a person uh, that's known me before I was even born. Jean-Ouellette um, is born and from Canada. He was a drum major at the same time as my mom was. I think he known me when I was her belly, actually, but we'll see. And he's one of the brave international and rare person that moved to the U.S. and I think now is completely dedicated to the marching arts. Born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, Ziz started his drum corps career with the Patriot de Parc Cartier, where he began in the drum line and then eventually took up on the role of drum major for the last two summers. During his college years, he was introduced to the world of the Winter Guard by his dear friend Mimi Racine, He first worked with the Troubadour de Victoriaville with her. Gilles has an impressive background in Colliard, having left his mark on renowned organizations like Phoenix de Victoriaville, Sonore de la Prairie, Blackwatch, St. John's of Beverly, Dobbins Bennett, SEI, St. Brennan's, Mile Juliet High School, and so many more. But his contributions to the marching arts extends far beyond that. As a freelance visual designer, technician, and educator, Jill has shared his experience with Winter Guard, Winter Progression Ensembles, college and high school marching bands, and drum and bugle corps across both United States and Canada. Jill's incredible resume includes notable positions such as assistant director for the Boston Crusaders and visual designer for the Glassman. For over a decade now, he's been part of the Spartans Drum and Bugle Corps design team and visual designer, showcasing an unwavering dedication and artistic point of view. Currently, he's also working as the program coordinator for the Spirits of Atlanta. But Jill's contribution doesn't stop there. He is also a highly respected educator with an undeniable eye for excellence. As a GE judge for the Winter Guard International and an active member and educator for the Gulf Coast Judges Association, Jill continuously pushes the boundaries of greatness. Not to mention, he serves as a color guard and contest coordinator for the Sautner Color Guard circuit. Join me as we get to know Gilles with a journey, unraveling his experiences, insight, and the profound impact that he made on the world of the marching arts. Bienvenue to Gilles Ouellette. Salut. Salut, salut. Ça va bien? Ça va? Oui. So, was I right? Was I wrong? Did I, did, uh, did I add a little bit to your resume? Is that even, even possible? No, no. Uh, en français ou en anglais? En anglais, yeah. <laughs> in English. Uh, no, it's pretty accurate. Um, uh, there might have been one one thing I'd like to uh, correct. Yeah. Is, uh, with Spirit of Atlanta, I am the program manager, <sighs> not the program manager. coordinator. Yeah, uh -huh. manager. So basically, I'm part of the design team, and um, uh, I am the link between the design team and the caption heads. Uh, so I, I help the caption head put the product on the field. That's oh. kind of my role this this coming season. Well, thank you. But for everything this else is right on point. 
Cool. Um, so for everyone that doesn't know neither me or Gilles or maybe just one of us, um, Gilles, like I said, you were a drum major. And I asked my parents yesterday because I was like, I know Gilles. Like, I know you. I've known of you. I've, But I think my furthest memory I have was in the 90s when you already have moved to the U.S. And Les Etoiles d'Or were competing with, was it St. Catherine's, I would say? Was that, is that? I believe that was right. Yeah. Sacred Heart or St. Catherine, one or the other. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, I've known of you. We've worked together at Les Stantors. You've judged me. But every time, and that's one of the really interesting things for me with you, is that you're French speaking. <laughs> but I, I am, am more comfortable. No, I'm not more comfortable. I'm comfortable to talk to you in English because that's how we communicate most of the time since we see each other around a judging table. Um, so, yeah. So, you've known my parents because you were born in Montreal and you started your color guard and drum corps career here. Yeah. That is correct. I uh, so I know your parents because I even helped your your yeah. parents at Les Etoiles um, right. for maybe one summer on and off. I was yeah. not a permanent staff person, but I'd go in once in a while. So after I graduated from college, I um, got a job in Montreal, and that's mm -hmm. kind of how I got involved with uh, those that were in the Montreal area. Where before that, while I was you know a student in high school and in college, I was uh, in the east part of the province. So mm -hmm. my I was mostly involved with groups from the Quebec City area um, and Paul Cartier, which is, if you know the geography, is in the northeast part of the state, mm. not the state, the province. The province, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I've known your parents for a very long time, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, if I'm not wrong, it's Pierre that was kind of the link between you and, and my parents, yeah? Yeah, um, Pierre Saint-Jean. Yeah, Pierre Saint-Jean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so when I um, started in the Winter Guard scene, um, my, as I was saying, my, my good friend Mimi Racine introduced me to Winter Guard, and then I went and helped out um, with her group at Les Troubadours. Mm -hmm. Phoenix was also from the same city, uh, mm -hmm. from Victoriaville. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got to know each other um, through the two groups, and eventually I started working with Phoenix. So when I worked with Phoenix, it was... Phoenix de Victoriaville before they moved to um, the Montreal, or maybe they never did move to Montreal. I don't actually, think now they I did. think about it, yeah. yeah, it was mostly staff that were coming from there. Yeah, but uh, it was Pierre Saint Jean, Jean Marc, uh, Seguin, oh, Jean -Marc. and uh, myself, um, Carole Bertrand. We were mm -hmm. kind of like the the staff there at Phoenix, and um, yeah. So Pierre is really the one that really got me involved, and that's how I got um, involved, or got to know WGI because we yeah. brought the group. Pierre was familiar with WGI. Yeah. I wasn't at the time. And then um, we went one year just to to watch. And then we we were competing a lot in the upstate New York circuit. Yeah. And then we eventually brought Phoenix to WGI. And mm -hmm. it's history from there. Yeah. It just, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm always, I want to say sad because Pierre, I think will come up really often when I speak to Quebecers or people that I know or have known. Because for me, he was Manon Pierre. Like he was an uncle because he was so close from Les Etoiles d'Or. But he was involved with so many Trump Corps and Color Guard mostly. But the US, I think he's one of the first ones, him and Bobby, which another really sad <laughs> Bobby, yeah, yeah. that I wish I could have interviewed them because they were really, for Quebec, I think some of, like one of the first ones that linked us to WGI and how Quebec kind of got very competitive in the 80s and 90s 
I think. That is, maybe. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Mm. Um, and they were the link between, you know, and they had a lot of relationships with folks in the U.S. Mm. And that's kind of how, you know, they're the ones that helped us bridge into the U.S. and into the WGI or even the DCI scene. Yeah. Um, and Pierre was judging at the yeah. time in some of the local circuits, uh, up maybe, you know, in the Massachusetts area and yeah. also in uh, upstate New York. And, um, yeah, so that's, he's the one that really got us in, you know, got us involved to know and to, you know, to, to um, discover yeah. that, that part of the equation, but yeah. Yeah. After my father, he was the first one. I remember after a competition in like the nineties, mid nineties, who sat me down. I was 12 and I was already really curious with the sheets and all that. And he's like, let me tell you how to run a critique. And <laughs> I think about him like really often. And now that I'm anyways, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll talk about, think about him a lot. So before we go into maybe a little bit deeper questions or more, sure. um, this episode is about premiere. So for you, when you think about the words, is there any meaning or any story that you think about or any highlight that you got feeling the word premiere? Oh, Lord, that's that's a tough one. Yeah. Well, you know, premiere is a first, a first mm -hmm. of something. It's a beginning of a, of a season, chapter. Um, there's a lot of premieres, right, when you get involved in, in this activity, Uh either as to the different groups you, you teach, even a new season is a premiere in a lot of ways. I look I, that's how I see it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's the birth of something to be, to become. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does. when you, when you ask me that question, that's what comes to mind anyway. It's all about this, this, I will talk to a lot of people and, and I'm pretty sure no one is going to have the same answer. And that's what is so yeah, interesting. Yeah. And you, I was not going to say that we have the same background, but has, French speaking people, sometimes words are so different, especially when I started teaching. That's when I realized that translation, loss in translation makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, so for you, you premiered here in Canada, but, uh, as a staff and as a, as a member, but what was your first interest? Like what did you, were you more of a drill person of a design person of a technician? Like, how did you Oh, wow. Now we're going way back, aren't we? Yeah. So, uh, when I was a kid, a, um, I, I had, you know, I had, I was attracted to music. That was my mm. thing. And, um, you know, the rest of my family was all in hockey and oh, although really? I love hockey, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My, my brother, my sister, my parents. And although, um, I love hockey, mm -hmm. I was really bad at it. Mm -hmm. I, tr I tried and, um, I'm like, this is really not for me. So mm -hmm. I, When I moved, my parents moved to, um, I was in high school. I was starting high school, actually, my first year of high school, eighth grade in Quebec. Mm -hmm. We, um, my dad uh, made a change in his life and we moved to Pocatsi, this little town in the northeast part of the province. And they, there was a drum corps in that town. And I saw them in a parade, um, like in June, I think it might have been for La Fête Nationale. Mm -hmm. on June 24th and mm -hmm. I and my eyes were like like got really big and I'm like mm -hmm. oh lord this is exactly what I want to do so the following September when they were recruiting I uh I joined mm -hmm. and I really wanted to be a baritone player okay but uh everybody there there was a, a quite a bit of, of of people in the horn line and they're like no you got you got to play the drums you got to play the drums uh, we mm -hmm. need some strong people you know physically we need guys mm -hmm. and stuff on the drum line so i said oh, okay i'll i'll try it and that lasted 
you know, five years. I started off my first year, I was a tenor drum, and then I ended up going on snares. And then when I, I left um, the last two years, so in like I was 20 and 21, I was um, going to college out of town, so I wasn't around. And, you know, back then, drum corps was a weekend thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like everybody re- rehearsed every weekend, and we even rehearsed twice a week, if I remember correctly. Um, so I couldn't attend all those rehearsals, so I decided that I might just not do drum corps that year. Mm-hmm. And then I came back in May, and I just couldn't live without it, and they were like, hey, we really need a drum major. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one, the one that we have is not, not going to be able to finish the season, so... I did that, and um, yeah, I guess I was good at it from what they tell me. Mm. <laughs> and I, I marched the last two summers of my uh, my drum corps member career as a drum major. And uh, that last year, and then to add to that, I was always intrigued or interested in the the drill, the staging, the really? marching. Cool. And yeah. yeah, that was that was my big <clears throat> thing. And one of the reasons why I wanted to be a baritone is because I wanted to be able to move on the field where the drums oh. at the time, you know, was kind of like up and down the 50 and left and right. And you know, <laughs> it was kind of like a windshield washer on a car, mm-hmm. just back and forth. But um, so in, 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 you know, it, during that time, I was always interested in talking to the visual staff and just trying to learn. And I, you know, it was kind of self-taught, I guess. And then the last two years when I became the drum major, I started helping out. Yeah. Um, teaching the drill. And then I mm-hmm. got really involved with our drill writer and uh, he introduced me to, you know, how to do this, how you do that. And, and, and I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to write drill someday. Mm-hmm. So when I aged out, I uh, taught that same group for one year mm-hmm. um, as a drill person. And then I start writing um, shows for little groups. And I wish I could remember it was a group uh, up in St. Panfield, but I can't <laughs> remember the name of it, but um so I wrote, that was my very first um, drill show Yay. and a little story to go with that. If I may, mm-hmm. um, I went, I came back home from college and we were going to have our first drill camp and I borrowed my dad's car. I was mm-hmm. so excited. I was going to drive to St. Pontfield, which was like, like a six or seven hour drive. Mm-hmm. And I um, got in the car and drove and I got my first speeding ticket. Oh, so so my whole paycheck went to pay that ticket. <laughs> but so <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were fine because for most of us, when we start, if we end up at zero, we're okay. We're kind of like right, right. Well, it didn't even tests. it. It you know, I ended up paying my gas on my own because that that money yeah. went to pay the ticket. So, but that was, that was, that was kind of funny. But um, yeah, and then and then from there, you know, I I I start teaching. Um, at the same time, I was still in college and all that, and then I um. That's when I, like I said, I, Mimi was going to school in Quebec. She asked me if I would help her, mm-hmm. and uh, I helped her at Tuvalu. She was also teaching another group um, in Quebec City that I would just go in and help a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, and then you know from there, just went on. So you, I, you were know, more of a drill person, and then you kind of got attached to color guards because there were more color guards to work with, or more diversity, creativity, or. Well, excuse me, the dogs are going. Crazy no, don't here. worry. Uh, um, <clears throat> they, um, yeah. So you know, back then, like you know, we're talking. When was that? That was in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, late eighties. You know, back then it was kind of a color guard. Winter guard was a lot of like you had your drill people and your equipment choreographer yeah. people, right? So it was yeah. kind of separated. It was a little bit like a, like a band or a drum mm-hmm. corps, you know? And so I would, um, that's what I did. I, I wrote 
staging and I cleaned the staging. And then I went to Phoenix and Pierre Saint-Jean was the designer, but I would be the marching tech mm-hmm. as, you know, and then, um, but you know, it was, that it was more of a team effort, but uh, my focus was on cleaning the staging. Okay. And then, uh, from there, you know, I went to uh, Sonar yeah. and, um, and at Sonar was the same thing. I was more of a cleaning tech. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there was a major change in the early '90s with mm-hmm. Sonar, and then I became a little more involved in the in the design thing. Mm-hmm. And my my my, I got to a point where you know, and I was working in the um, corporate world for I, I worked for ten years in the corporate world, and um, I was the nine to five or eight to five behind a cubicle was not really something that I found pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta make a change before I get too old. And, you know, I gotta, I can't do this the rest of my life. And that's when I decided to, um, took, I took a leave of absence from work. Oh, wow. And then I moved to Massachusetts to, mm. um, teach band. And I was, and, you know, and that's where it really all started. Like, you know, they, the, uh, I was a, a marching tech for a bunch of bands in the Boston area. And then I start designing shows for one and then for two and three. And, and then it just went downhill from there. And you know, it was just uphill, not downhill. Yeah. But it went, it went really fast into <laughs> yeah. uh, the next phase of my life. So, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that was going to be my na- next question, but I'm happy you just like to do it. Was that just, how did you premiere in the U S because for me, who's, <laughs> who's younger like a, um it seems to be unattainable to well first of all i'm not interested to move the u.s and like you said like how later in life i am now i have a daughter i'm not gonna up and move to the u.s where there's there is more opportunities as far as the marching arts in general right right but um but it's really interested how you've done it and and to see that it it is possible even now i think it's possible you just need to do it really early on and kind of believe in your yeah, I think art. that in my case, it was probably um, at the right time. Yeah. You know, back then, um, you know, I was in my mid-20s mm-hmm. and um, or more so later, later 20s, actually, because I worked for I worked for Xerox and I worked for yeah. Xerox for I said 10 years, but it was probably more like eight. So I was like 28. And that's when I decided to make a, a change. And, um, you know, I, I was not married. I I was on my own. And I said, I can take this. It's like, I, I, I got to pick, am I going to travel the world? I could go to Asia for a month or two or three, or I could go to uh, Massachusetts and teach band. And I had I'm some good, you're right. And I had contacts <clears throat> in, in, uh, in Massachusetts. And, um, that's, that's, you know, that I got to know through Pierre Saint-Jean, which is kind of yeah. how, how everything gets connected. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I, I moved there and I just, um, taught band it's kind of how it started but i think it was easier back then um you could i was young i didn't i was not afraid to take a risk mm-hmm. and i was it was also easier to travel you know between the two countries it was mm-hmm. so easy back then to just go in and out it was yeah. you know you could go back and forth and work but, um, and-, and work right right yeah. exactly <clears throat> uh but times have changed you know i don't know how difficult it would be today um you know, I don't really look into that, but I, I don't know if somebody that wanted to do it, I don't know how easy it would be to, to you know, be able to work here and to... Yeah, I think after 9-11, especially, a lot of things kind of tightened up. Yeah, and that's... when I was, um, I shouldn't say working, but when I was involved with 
Caballeros, there was a uh, director, a marching band director that was like, I want you here as the color guard director. And I didn't even know it existed. And for me, it was always kind of like, why do you want me? There's so many people here that have done drum corps forever. Yep. And he kind of looked into it to have a green card. And we're talking now, maybe beginning of the 2000s, 07, maybe. And <clears throat> it was almost risky to kind of have the demand of doing a green card. And if that was going to be refused, they always see it at the borders. You're going to be questioned. Are you crossing to yeah. work kind of illegally, quote unquote? And and yeah, so it, it is possible. And for people that are international, if you want to do it, like look into it. But you kind of really need to. It's a very gutsy move to, yeah, to do it that. Is. It definitely is. And, you know, I was fortunate that I had people that I knew and, uh, you know, I seeked um, legal help to make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, so so I, I had to go through these channels, which I was I learned as I was living it, you know, what, but it was all possible. So I'm sure it's still possible. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was a, uh, that's, it was a, a risk, but it was a dream and it was something that I really worked hard at. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and here I am, it's been what over 23, actually it's been like 30 years now. Wow. Cause I was in Boston up until 2000. Mm-hmm. So 89 to 2000, that's 11 years, right? And then yeah. I've been in Nashville now mm-hmm. um, ever since that time. So that's 23 years later. Mm. And yeah, yeah. Congrats. Um, before we go into the break, I have one last question and then we'll go sure. more into yeah, your yeah. involvements right now. Um, but then you went on to judging. So you're an educator uh, with, I didn't know, but with the circuit in Nashville, I guess, uh, around and yeah, WGI. Yeah. Um, when you're judging, is there elements that you look up on in a premiere, in a show that you think as a design perspective there's like an overall impact or and makes the show effective to begin the season like how what do you should what should people focus or where you look for into a premiere into your first show that you judge well you know right so let me backtrack a little bit so when Mm -hmm. i start um judging i was mostly judging um marching bands Okay. And then I um, judged um, a few drum corps shows. Uh, there's a couple of years I was, was teaching drum corps where there was this trial, this test where they would have um, instructors judge a show. So you kind of signed up and you would judge a show. And it was kind of like yeah. an experiment. I think it's an experiment that they did. It lasted for maybe two years. So I did some of that and I really enjoyed it. And then I said, I got to, <clears> you know, <throat> pursue that. And I was really fortunate that um, when I lived in in Boston, I was really close friends with people that are involved in the judging community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think of George Oliviero being one. I mean, he was he lived literally fifteen house from where I was. So mm-hmm. you know, I was able to. He would teach me a lot of uh, of about the judging aspect, and and I so I've learned. And I said, I'm you know, I want to get involved with that. And um, and then over the years, I, I was always judging, uh, and then I started judging Winterguard a little more. But the funny thing is that I've always dedicated my my judging to uh, design analysis. Oh, that wow. Was, yeah, that was my <clears throat> thing. And I did it here locally at, um, at the Gulf Coast Judging Association under Fred Feeney is a circuit that um, that services five circuits, color guard circuits in the southern part of the country, so mm-hmm. uh, southeast part of the country. So the 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 SCGC, which is the Nashville, Birmingham area, and then there's Gulf Coast, there's Sapa, which is Atlanta, 
There's a Mississippi indoor, and then there's one in Louisiana, like New Orleans, Louisiana area. So being a member of that association allowed me to travel in those five circuits. And Fred would assign us to different circuits from week to week. And I really start enjoying it. And then at one point, I got um, a call from Carl Lowe um, asking me, inviting me to join the WGI rank, but he wanted me to focus on general effect. Makes sense. And, <laughs> well, it didn't make sense to me. No, but you're right. You're right, though. Okay, so I, you're so right. It makes sense in, and I don't want to cut you and take the words and say me if I'm wrong, but it makes sense as far as um, uh, giving jobs to people because there's Moji people, so they need yeah, more yeah. of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and I had that conversation with him and um, Del Powers this this winter. Yeah, yeah. This past winter. And DA is a really hard caption to get into WGI wise. Like there's people that have been there forever and they're doing such, but then GE and DA is such a, and now maybe we're going to talk gibberish to people that kind of are not judging geeks, but they're so different. Like it's one is analysis. The other one is gut. I don't want to say gut feelings, but Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that was the thing when, when Carl said that, I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? I said, I, I'm like, how I'm a, I'm a pretty anal person. Like I, I analyze everything. I think mm. too much. I mean, that's mm. who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know that I could be good at this. And he's like, mm. oh, you're young. You're, you got experience. You, we need some people, some fresh, uh, you know, input on that caption. I said, well, let me give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and then it, it, I went there and, uh, you know, I went to, through the process and you learn to, uh, mm-hmm. judge the caption and to go mm-hmm. back to your original question is that, you know, when, to me as a judge, when you, I like to, to let things come at me. I, I, I don't want to dig in too fast, too quick. Um, oh at, you know, at the beginning of the year, especially. Yeah. So when you look at shows on the first couple of weeks, I want to absorb, I want to see what they have to offer. Everybody has something to offer mm-hmm. either, but you know, everybody has, there's room for tweaking or, you know, and making it better. So, the one thing I did learn and, you know, and, and William Chumley, who is, uh, my, my caption manager, uh, he was a great help at, at, you know, at me, uh, you know, becoming a GE judge was, you know, to, to talk to the people like, like you and I are having a conversation right now. Yeah. It's the same thing. When you're judging, have a conversation with the people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I always felt that my language what might've been a little bit of a barrier because I, you know, it's easier yeah. for me to speak in French. Why? Not anymore. No. Yeah. And tapes like I'm studying right now, the WDI educator, whatever. And Rachel, who's the chief judge here, which is like, you should be involved. If you're doing this, you're doing your cards. We know like I, I, and you know, I've been in the U S and I've, met Carlo because anyway, we should have another full other interview about this because Carlo yeah, is another yeah. amazing, great influence in my life. Yeah. <clears throat> that is kind of an outside person that didn't know me when I was born and did my first steps. And one day came up to me and said, you did the best critique out of all the groups here. And it was in Salem and it was world-class people. People have been there. And I was like, oh, like we're in yeah. Quebec. I was told you're competitive. Stop this. And I was like, oh my God. Like anyway, and she was talking to me and I was like, I cannot do this or you're letting me do cassettes, cassettes. They don't exist anymore, but the tapes, the same thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, same thing. Um, in English, cause I was, I'm not going to study this in English. And then I, it's one of the scariest things for me mm-hmm. to try to start judge in the U S yeah. the, although I know the sheets, 
And doing a tape is so hard. Maybe it's not the hardest job for everyone, but to talk while you're analyzing and looking at stuff and it's anyway, but no, yeah, you're sorry. Right. And, and it is the hardest thing. It is mm. the hardest thing. It is, it's something that you uh, have to learn and something you have to work at. Mm. It, you know, some people may have an ease at communicating and just throwing it out there. Um, in my case, it was not, it was difficult uh, because I, I, if I felt sometimes that my brain was thinking in French, but then I mm. had to say it in English mm. or I would, um, you know, the, the most difficult thing between French and English for me is that um, I invert my words. I'll put the adjective before the noun or I'll put it after and I always have to think. So the brain works a little slower, you know. Mm. Um, so and then I would be like, oh, do you say it this way or do you say it this way? And, um, and I, you know, I would hold back a little bit cause I was afraid yeah. that I would make a mistake. And then I'm like, well, I'm not saying enough or I'm not saying the, the right thing, but I feel that I was really good at yeah. numbers, you know, yes. so that's, that's another thing. Yes. And so, so I was able to, you know, and that's just who I am as a person too. You know, math has always been my strong mm. suit and I, I can manipulate numbers and I can, I understand how to make it work, but regardless. So I had to work really hard with the communication aspect, so making a commentary. Um, but I developed over the years, you know, because it's been some time now where you develop a language and you, with the, uh, you know, the, with the access to competition suite and be able to listen to other people uh, mm -hmm. as a judge and, and then all the great education that we get through, you know, our caption managers or, you know, with William Beverly and Curtis and, and the WGI training that we went through over the years, it's allowed me to get to this point and, you know, so, but yeah, so the, the premiere is to me is, uh, an opportunity for the groups to show what they have. It's an opportunity for me to, um, give an opinion or an, ex, you know, express a feeling about it and, and try to work with, you know, the groups or the directors and critique just to say, you know, Hey, you know, go for it. I, I'm the type, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Right. I'm, I'm, but I, I really want you to, I really want to help you how I can. And, and mm -hmm. I found, and again, through uh, William, who's always said, be Jill. Mm. You want to be Jill. People want to hear Jill. Jill. They, don't want to hear, yeah. they, they don't want to hear a robot say all these fancy words that you find on the back of the sheet. Yeah. So I tend to stay away from that. And I try to be a little more genuine. And um, so that it's, you know, we're a little more relaxed. We can have a conversation. And I give you my input and you teach me what your show's about and what yeah. you're about. And then it just becomes an exchange. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of how I see it. But yeah, the, the, the premiere is to me is the beginning of a season is where I absorb a lot of information from the groups that I see so that mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks or even that day, I can start to offer some, hopefully some information that will help them move forward. Mm. You're making my heart flutter. I love judging and all that. So we should definitely meet again. And I have other, I'll talk to you later. I have other judges uh, I really uh, want to talk to. And um, Absolutely. But, well, yes. I'll tell you this. I, I am actually going to go, you know, my, my family's still in Montreal. Why? So uh, I'll be going there um, right after uh, either drum corps season or band season, like, in, uh, you know, and I intend to stay there for, you know, six, seven weeks. And I, 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 I owe that to my, to my mom. Yeah. Uh, cause she, you know, she's aging and with COVID I saw very little of her. Yeah. So my point is that I'll be make sure I'll be making sure that I contact you. We'll have to have yeah. coffee somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'll have my parents around. All right. So let's yeah, take a yeah. break and, yeah. and let's take a break and let's go, uh, into depth with your summer involvement.
Hey everyone, it's Jeremy, the producer from On a Water Break, the main show. And while you're enjoying this great bonus content from some amazing hosts, there's a whole other show happening with guests, news, and plenty of other fun things that you and your friends are talking about on a water break. So take a moment, go subscribe so that you can get your notifications every week for the main episode of On a Water Break. If you have news or know of somebody that would be a great guest, or maybe you would be a great guest, email us at onawaterbreakpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at On a Water Break. And now back to this fantastic bonus content. And we'll see you at the show. So welcome back. Um, so this season is special in particular for spirits since it was a full year hiatus. And you've been with a long time relationships with relationships. I put S's everywhere. Relationships with. <laughs> um, so let's go a little bit into the DCI side of things. And yeah. to make people in context, we're mid-July. You're going to air like the DCI week. So maybe there's going to be big things happening <laughs> that you don't know because we don't know the future. We wish we do. Um, yeah. But has the program manager, um, how did you approach creatively this season knowing that it was going to be a comeback and a big premiere for Spirits if if you actually did? Maybe you just didn't want to think about it and just move on. Um, how did you approach this? Well, so at Spirit, um, there's a design team and it's an, a collect, you know, collective um, effort And um, we actually been working together since 2020, I believe. Or 20, yeah, it was 2020. After 2019, we made a few changes, but we uh, started the season in 2020, and then we shut down because of uh, the pandemic. And we just stayed active as a design team. We would talk every week. We would talk, you know, let's push this show and hopefully we can bring it out next year. Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't happen, right? So in 2020, mm -hmm. in March, uh, by the time we got to July, there was no drum corps season. So we just stayed in touch. And then we, um, there was a somewhat of a comeback season in 2021, I think it was. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. And, um, We did a version of the show that we had been working on. You mm -hmm. know, it was a, a short season. We got together for two weeks for spring training. And uh, and then we said, you know, we'll just get ready for the following season. So the same team started working on a show. And as you all know, it didn't happen. So here we are. What is it like four years later, but two years later, where we had start working on this show. Mm -hmm. And um, so we we just had been working on this show for a while now. So all of last year, we would meet, you know, once a week on a phone call, just stay in touch, stay in communication and develop the program. Um, and, you know, and we were not sure at the time what was going to happen, because, you know, in the sense of like, who are going to be our kids? You know, are the mm -hmm. kids going to come back? Are they not going to come back? Are we going to have kids? Are we, you know, it was, there was all these unknowns. And but we said, you know what? Let's just move forward with the show, regardless, and we will um, we will adapt or transform because we were pretty confident that this show was going to be um, good, you know. Yeah. So uh, when the season started, um, you know, we start. They start recruiting. We had kids. We were, you know, and here we are. There's a drum corps out there. Yeah. But um, and we made some some minor changes, um, you know, once we found out exactly who our kids were and what what level of, you know, the students are and just so that we could uh, not overly challenge them, but challenge them enough to be competitive, you know, that that kind. Of, so we did kind of adapt. But 
the process was not much different, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, we were more nervous about, you know, are we going to be, um, are we going to have enough kids to make it happen? Uh, because, you know, you, you, when you think about that, I, I, I say this a lot, when really, you know, 2019, March of 2020 is when spirit kind of went into at a halt. And then, you know, we started a little bit, it was back and forth, right? In 2020, if you have kids that are 17 or 18 years old right yeah. now, that was, they were 14, 15 at the, they were right. 14 at the time, 13, right. some of them. Yeah. They didn't even know what drum corps was half of them. You know, they were kids in a marching band and said, someday I'm going to do this, you know, meaning drum Mm. corps. But so it was, well, the hardest thing about was to recruit kids and get them Mm -hmm. into the door where up until 2019, Spirit was in a position where people would come to them. Yeah. You know, we, we would have, you know, we would run camps with, with 300 people, let's say. Yeah. And, you know, we got to pick the best 150 um, that was not the case this year. You know, we had to to recruit really hard to the last second and try mm-hmm. to get people in. And, um, you know, and at times we had to take, you know, people that maybe we would not have taken had we had, you know, 300 people at the door waiting to get a spot. Mm-hmm. So that, that it was a totally different, um, it was more about the operations type of thing. But as far as the creative side and the, the, we didn't, we didn't stop working the way we had worked in the past that process has been was the same it was a a team effort we you know picked a concept some music and we uh a visual identity and we just developed it like any other year i think that's what was you know so for the people that see things that link with a comeback with the theme of the show it good for them but it's kind of just something that happens because it's a four year ago concept where you yeah. didn't know you were going to be this for so long right yeah mm. yeah pretty much yeah and the other thing yeah. that you're saying that is really interesting is that you can see the comeback year which was last summer and last winter for the winter guard I think the pretty the groups were pretty full in general and spirits didn't feel that because people that had a year off because of the pandemic were like, we're going to make it. We need, like they had that need to finish something. Yep. Or, right. Yep. Where this year recruiting, especially exactly in that age, like 13 to what they, when they were 13 in the 2020, 2019, 2020, 13 it's there's such a gap and you saw it i think especially in in, independent a this winter past winter yeah the groups or even an open class like eight kids on the field five kids like i I don't remember that group but made finals with five girls on the field like lazy clips they were 10 like it's it's a rebuild for a lot of people yep um yeah it's it's definitely tough and here's the biggest thing to me is that um Coming out of the pandemic, the biggest change to uh, dealing in our activity, teaching or running at the, uh, you know, an activity, either it's Winter Guard or Drum Corps, it's really that we're dealing with um, different kinds. Kids are different. Mm-hmm. It's new times, right? They went it, they went through the pandemic um, and it, it really changed a lot of things in their life and mm-hmm. their parents too, you know, like, like we, it's harder to get people to volunteer and to work because people are not as available yeah. and, you know, their priorities have shifted during those years. So we have to adapt at all level, not just, you know, from the kids or, and now we have to, we adapt our shows. Now we're realizing that, you know, and I had the fortunate um, experience that I was at Spartans had a drum corps last summer. Yeah. So 
the challenges coming out of the pandemic, I was aware of when we, um, with, with Spartans, I'm like, okay, yeah. this is different. This is how it's different. And I was able to bring that knowledge to spirit and say, hey, let's not forget, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. Kids are different. And, and you know, 95% of our, our instructors are school teachers, educators. Yeah. So yeah. they see that as well. They're like, mm-hmm. no, kids are different. It's mm-hmm. it's a different you know they're you, we got to focus way more on them they're 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 although they're independent they're very needy too like it's yeah. interesting it's weird so and I'm sure you know that you know you have you know you you taught you teach kids you taught kids yeah. you, you I'm sure you saw the difference coming out of it how it's you have to readapt but from the creative aspect I think it's yeah it's it has not you know we we I would say that if you know moving forward I would always think about you know it's always a race against time and let's make sure that the decisions we make are going to be, um, we'll be able to reach the things that we envision. Cause mm-hmm. I think that time is at the essence and we're not, um, we don't, we have no control over that. Mm-hmm. So we got to be wiser when we, we create shows, we got to be able to make sure that we going to be able to accomplish all of that in the time we have knowing that once you hit the road on tour, um, there's very little rehearsal time. Um, the 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 weather is right now the biggest handicap. I don't know is that the right word. The biggest yeah. challenge is dealing yeah. with the weather. I mm-hmm. mean it's 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 warm all the time now. It rains a lot, and when it rains, it pours, yeah. and there's a lot of lightning. Like it's all these things yeah. that uh, is you know the the either you believe in in climate change or not. I can yeah. tell you we see it there's, in the drum corps world. It, oh, it's oh, it's it's affecting us. And uh, so we have to think about how we're going to operate moving forward. You know, we're going to have to make some changes, I think, as we move forward. Yeah. Um, all right. So creatively, and I think that's, there's ways to see as there's two ways to see, there's a lot of ways, to, angles to see things, but when you're doing a comeback, I'm going to say quote unquote comeback or yeah. um, you can either hyper focus on it or not focus at all and just do the job that, you've always done because you've been successful in this. So creatively, that's maybe more the way you've won, went, but the premiere must have been the premiere. It must have been feels were and the way feelings or the atmosphere. Did you, were you there? Did you feel something that? Yeah, it, it was definitely, um, it was an emotional journey of a day. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you have your fans, your alumni, you have parents, you kids and, you know, and the name of the group that, you know, that, the core has a history, you know, it has, it's been around for a long time. So there was that always that anticipation of like, Oh my God, what is it going to be good? Is it, not, is it going to work? Are going to people going to get excited about it? And, um, and you go through a, a series of emotion. So the premiere day was, it was pretty emotional at the end of the day. We're like, Oh my Lord. No. I was like, okay, we need a, We need a, I need a two day vacation just to get over <laughs> this. Uh, but it was all good. It was very positive, you know, and it was, you know, it didn't matter how complete or undone or how dirty we work as, you know, it was the first time in front of people and there was little things that work and didn't work. Um, just the, to see the reaction of the people sitting in the stands and to see that we brought smiles to a lot of people and the alumni, you know, were just really happy and people that have been running the core for years, you know, um, were just like, oh, like, can you believe this? So mm-hmm. that, that was really rewarding. That was fun. It's really cool. Cause there's so many 
groups that take a year off or are obliged to take a year off. And I'm thinking of, yeah, of you, but like pride, it's a money thing. They're going to take, and people don't know about the pride of Cincinnati that they, they used to always have a year and a year off and a year and a year off. So yep. this year people were like, <gasps> like gasping in the sense, like they're going to close. And I think the old school ones are like, no, no, they're not. That's what they do. But to see those groups resurface and really have a comeback, um, apply the plan that they wanted to, like everyone wants to come back. I don't think there's a lot of cores that saying like, we're taking a year off and in the end want to end up saying they're closing a core or color guard, but the money situation, and maybe you're not part of this, which I hope you're not, but the money is also really a struggle now for drum core in particular. Well, it is. And, uh, I'm not really that involved with that aspect. I mean, that's not, you know, my function, but we're always yeah. aware because mm -hmm. it does influence or affect, you know, what we can put out there. And, you know, you have, you know, the budgets are large, but the thing in today's world, in today's drum corps, there are so many other things you have to take care of, like financially speaking, mm. you know, now, you know, drum corps, when I march and what it is now is, you know, it's a different world, but, you know, uh, so when you think about financially, you're talking about large amount of people teaching, you know, it's not done by three or four people now. It's 25, 30, 50, 100 people teaching, mm -hmm. uh, 25 per caption, that is, you know. So it ends up being 100 because you're on the road all the time. It, you can't expect adults to be on the road for eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and, and we force that upon, like in spirit, we force that upon our staff just for ment mental health purposes. Like yeah. you have to get away. You can't be 24-7 for eight weeks in a row. So mm -hmm. we, we bring people in and out, but that's, there's a cost to that, right? You got to fly them in, you got to fly them back home, you got to pay them. So you're yeah. doing a lot of that. Um, now drum corps, you know, we have athletic trainers and nurses and we have a medical team, uh, but you got to pay for that, you know? So mm -hmm. there's a lot more that goes on to that. And now we're in this world of electronics, right? Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, it's like, when you think about the finance aspect of like what it costs to put electronics in a show. Mm -hmm. And if you want, you want great equipment that's going to last and it's an investment, you're, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, Very you know, weird. by the time you're, 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 you get everything, you got to transport that. You got to have the right technician. You can't just, you're not going to ask me to go work the, the soundboard. <laughs> you know, you have to, have, <laughs> you wouldn't want they that. They have to be there but, all day rehearsals at the, I mean, they're just not, they're not just there at the show because it's a show venue. No, they're, exactly. So, hmm. so there's all that aspect. So there's a lot now, a lot more to the equation. So mm -hmm. it is, it takes a, a pretty solid organization to get all of that to work together. Um, it's a, uh, what's the word when you, um, it's like a, I forget, you know, it's like an act, like it's got to be so well coordinated. Yeah. You know, I always like to use the um, analogy of like, it's like a Cirque du Soleil. Right. You know, when, when you think about, we go and watch the production, but I don't know if you're like me, but when I go there, I think about what goes on behind the scene. Mm -hmm. How did they get this mm -hmm. to happen? That, that, you know, and I'm like, it, it's, it was the same thing with Jump Corps. Right. It's pretty sophisticated and you have a lot of like people behind the scene doing some yeah. pretty interesting that things the thing that people forget and it's a good thing that they forget because that means the production is well put together but we don't have the same amount of time and i mean of course like just delay they're moving around the world like i've worked with them when i was in production and creation i was like they're settled there like old port or whatever for a month six weeks 
We yep. put a show together 10 minutes in and out with the production when yep. it's, yep. it's completely, it's really needs a balancing act, like you were saying. And uh, now it's expected. The electronics type of thing is expected. When I was with Les Tantor five years ago, I think it was the first season we had electronics. There's 10 horns on the field and judges yep. and everyone are expecting us to have um, electronics, but they're still playing with, what is it? B, B bugles, like the old, old horns. Yeah, and I'm like, B, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, and now yeah, your work. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, I don't know if it's as, a, is it expected? Probably they'll tell you not, you know, Why? somebody will Man. tell you no, but if you want to be competitive in this mm. age and if you want to really produce uh, a pretty high end product, you kind of need those tools. It's, it's mm. they're just, you know, they're part of what's going to make it successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, we all embark, although we all complain about it every day, it's like, oh, it's like, it's a lot of work and it's a lot. It's, sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it works and it, it's a pretty tedious um, operations, but it does make the, sh- it does make the shows, you know, pretty special. Yeah. You know, if you watch a drum corps show these days and you remove the electronic portion of it, it, can be pretty boring or pretty flat, you know, there's, so yeah, it's one component that we added into the shows that now we can't live without. So, yeah. And you've been part of the Spartan teams for a long time now, and the organization has been known for its reputation of excellence and greatness and, and a really good, um, is it now open class? It's not open class anymore. Yeah, it's open class. Okay. So drum corps. And do you, is there a different way every year you approach the production or the creativity or to push or because you've always been great and it's a well-oiled machine or a little, a combination of both maybe? Yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of both. So you're, you, you know, just to give you a little bit of history. So I, I taught when I was living in Boston, I taught the Spartans on a part-time base. I would go one, one marching tech couldn't go on the road and I would just go for a week and just to fill in. That's how it all started. And then in 2001, um, I was seriously into designing shows, marching band stuff. And they asked me to take, uh, to become the drill writer. And I, I embarked and I was there for 2001 to 2007. That was the Pasadena year. And then I moved over to the Glassman eight, nine, 10. Mm. And Spartans went into a new kind of new direction there at that time. They were, a lot of people had left and it was just kind of a, a rebuilding time. And then in 2011, um, a couple of people that were there before came back and were trying to put some energy into it. And they gave me, gave me a call and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go back. I love it. I, to me, it's like being home. Yeah. Um, it's close to home, number one. And, you know, it's close to Montreal. So, uh, mm. And I also, you know, I had lived in Boston and I, that's a part of the country that I really enjoy. So I said, you know, I'm going to go back and I've been there ever since, believe it or not. So the process is, um, you know, if I compare with spirit, it's a little different, Mm -hmm. um, but it is the same in a lot of ways. You know, there are things that we kind of do similarly. And interestingly is that I, I brought to the Spartans things that I thought worked really well at spirit. And I think I try to influence spirit uh, uh-huh. in things that I thought Spartans do well, because they mm-hmm. both did great things, but there are things that were weaker. So I'm like, hey, 
And I think that that's kind of brought the the two groups a little. They got better over the years because of that. So I would think to you know I believe that. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I know. But the Spartans, um, just to talk about that. So I'm a drill writer there. So I'm on create. You know, I'm the on the creative side, and um, it was been a lot of the same people for a long period of time. And this past summer, we made some pretty drastic changes. And it's, it's some people decided to move on, do other things. Mm-hmm. So we've got some new. <clears throat> people involved and the greatest thing and the greatest thing is that they're young most of them are people that are aged out of the spartans oh yeah uh, that teach or are designed now and so there's a little bit of a continuity but with a fresh new look on things Mm. so that's why i think it's kind of to me that's kind of really interesting and you know i considered myself like the old folks on the on the team now and and i'm really happy that the young ones are taking over and it allows me to be a little more free. You know, I, I don't have to be there. Uh, I was like, eh, it's your, it's your, you know, here, do mm-hmm. your thing. But um, yeah, so it's again, that, and the, the biggest difference too, is that, you know, Spartans is an open class core and, um, and I don't know that they, they want to be really competitive in that class and it's not their goal to move up to the world class and mm-hmm. become a, a world-class group. Mm-hmm. They, they have an opportunity to do the first tour of the summer with some open cl- um, world groups and they have an opportunity to perform at quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And they've been lucky enough that for the past, I don't know how many years, ever since that open class groups could go to quarterfinals, we made yeah. semifinals. Yeah. We've never missed a semifinals. So that's pretty rewarding. Um, overall. So that's, that's the thing. And, and the biggest difference also, and one of the reasons they don't, I don't think we'd want to go bring the court to the world group is that we cater to high, mostly from high school kids yeah. or kids that are in college <clears throat> that like, can't really afford to do world or can't leave for extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our move in, you know, spirit moves in on Memorial day weekend, May 25th, 26th. So Spartans early. moves in on, I know, Spartan, and it takes five weeks to get the show ready yeah. to what it is now. And every drum corps kind of goes through that process. And that's why when you go to the first show, those world groups are pretty impressive because they yeah. just spent five weeks working on their product. The Spartans go to the first show after working for eight days on their product. Oh, my God. So, so that's the difference, right? Um, you know, we, we start teaching the show in May at Spartans on weekends, but we're missing half the kids. Yeah, because a lot of the out-of-state kids can't come every weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're in high school, so they have prom, graduation, mm-hmm. they have all these extra activities that is part of their scholastic journey, and we're not going to mess around with that. Mm-hmm. So we just have to um, be patient, and when we get them on June fifteenth this year, we moved in, we moved in for ten day, uh, eight days, and then we had our first performance, and um, you know it is what it is. Now it's taking us until. It's funny because I just talked to them this morning and they're teaching the last 15 seconds of the show today. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, where Spirit finished the show during spring training. So that's the yeah. difference between the two, really. Yeah. But both are enjoyable and, you know, the Spartan thing is, is great. And now we're entering also the open class tour. The open class tour started last night. Why? So now the Spartans are going to spend the rest of the summer with all groups within the open class, and then yeah. we'll see the world groups at quarterfinals on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. my last question for today, because I, I feel yeah. like we're going to talk and do more of those uh, together, but how yeah. do you balance the desire to create innovative and unique shows but still be within the DCI sheets and realms and make sure that you 
Because, I mean, it's, maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's completely when I'm outside. But when you're top three and even four or five, if you push the envelope, you kind of know it's going to work because you have a reputation and you have the best of the best, the cream of the cream of the members and all that. But when you're in maybe, I don't want to say lower because they're all great and all the shows are great. But how do you do, how do you balance this? The creative, uh, unique side of things and make sure that they're going to be successful within the sheets and where you want the groups to land? Um, well, it's, I think if I understand your question, um, <laughs> I would translation, say, right? I, I, know, I, know. Well, it, it could, it, I could go, I could go in a lot of different Why? directions, uh, if, uh, by answering, but here's what I can tell you is that when we, as a design team, <clears throat> and it's either spirit or Spartans, it's the same thing. We start talking really early about next year. We'll talk mm -hmm. about that in August, like probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll start talking about it. We'll usually meet at the end of August before band season starts here in the U.S. You know, band season is really big in October, November. We'll, we'll get together and we'll start the process. And as I was saying earlier, both groups take a different approach at how we, we do that. Um, I'll talk about the Spartans in, the, in our case. We get together. Uh, we have a program coordinator. We brainstorm a bunch of ideas. We're staying together in a retreat for three days. And we have we have these placard boards all over the walls, and we just right. write stuff, and we start wow. to brainstorm, and then we start to eliminate things, and we change, and usually, or it has to this point, by the time we get to the third day, we get a pretty clear direction of what we want to do, right? Mm. We found a concept, a theme, and, and like I said, we start thinking about that in the summer, but um, and we. Um, We come up with the, you know, with the show, and then it's all, and then it's always a question of like, all right, who are, who are going to be our kids mm. before we start writing this, and then, you know, mm. so then we, we, the concept doesn't necessarily change, but the level of difficulty or how far we go with it might change once we know exactly what we have for kids, mm. um, and then we'll go from there. But you know, we have some really. Um, crafty people on the design team we uh we there there's no limits to what our imagination is and that's kind of like you know we we come up with the craziest ideas uh some that were like oh my god that's never going to happen but it doesn't matter we throw no, it out it there mm -hmm. and uh you know how it is and then we just um go from there and then um you know we have a really i think the key component in all of this is that we have a really strong educational team so our educators the the technicians and the people that train the kids and that get it, get them ready for the show are really on point and there's a strong communication level between the design team and the educational team and they are preparing the kids during the camps in the winter and the spring so that we can get this show done i think that those are the most important key elements to be make sure it's successful mm -hmm. in parallel and through all of that the behind the scene is an important one you know if you have great facilities to rehearse in mm -hmm. if you have support from your operations team And you know that we're going to take care of the kids, that we're going to feed them right, that we're going to have the right place to rehearse in, you know, um, you know, a rehearsing in a uh, 
a field that you just mowed that morning that doesn't really exist anymore, you know, for, uh, it does, it still happens, but I'm it saying so those things are, <laughs> it, it, they're, they're important. So we just make sure that all those things are into place. So by the time we arrive on day one of move-ins, it's like a well-oiled machine and all we need to do is get the show on, you know, ready. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question or not, or it's it did. Yeah. Like you said, there's so many angles of this. Yeah, um, yeah. So as we conclude, thank you, of course. And I guess all the socials, uh, Spirit of Atlanta and and Spartans, we can find them on all the social media. If you if you know. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, so I will be honest. I am not a big <laughs> social media person. Yeah. Uh, by choice. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but I know they exist on social media. Yeah. So that's all I can say. Right. Uh, either it's Facebook or uh, Instagram or some, you know, I don't know if there's any others they're on, yeah. but yeah, they, they definitely are. And that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. how, you know, how it is kids these days, they live off of that. And so I know it's there, right. um, but I couldn't tell you much about it because I tend to stay away from them. <laughs> so <laughs> go, so the ones that want to go, uh, go and follow them. Spirit of Atlanta, Spartans, uh, drum and bugle core on Instagram and Facebook. They're, yep. they, their history, give them support, write nice things to the members. They have access to their phone all the time and they're on the road quite a lot. So I know they kids are. are, are on the social media and they want to hear people that they don't know and have, um, support from everyone so you do that um, merci beaucoup Gilles merci infiniment eh oui, ça m'a fait, fait énormément plaisir ah, c'est vraiment très ça, cool. Ça m'a fait peur un peu. Je me disais, oh mon Dieu, qu'est-ce qu'elle va me demander? Mais c'est bien le fun. It was a lot of fun. It was really yeah. fun. But don't move because this needs to be uploaded so we hear you. Yeah. Um, okay. But to everyone else, you, whether you're a well-known person in the marching activity or if you're simply someone who wants to have a conversation with me, this podcast is all about giving everyone a chance to be heard. Everyone has a voice and now I have a platform so you can reach me, Cynthia Bernard, on Instagram or Facebook book or you can write to onawaterbreak at gmail.com and I will be glad to talk to you about any word or anything you want to in the realms of the marching arts. So merci Gilles, talk to you really soon and um, and yeah, talk to you soon. Restez à bouge pas.